1: This is a Rogue Media Network
2: podcast.
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Oh, Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com. 365 Sports with us about what has been the week of recruiting. Grayson, when you look at the junior college, the transfer portal, National Signing Day your thoughts on how Baylor did with Dave Aranda and his staff?
0: Yeah, you know, I I think there's been a lot discussed about the 2024 class specifically. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it is, you know, this crown jewel of a class. I mean, it's ranked, you know, outside the top 60. And frankly, for the most part, Baylor classes shouldn't be ranked, you know, that low. And I, I think most people would agree with that. But I also think, you know, you look a little deeper into the situation that has occurred for Baylor over the last year, um, and it kind of paints a different picture, right? So I know everyone's seen all these graphics. Baylor ranked 16th, according to on three or whatever in the conference. And if you do it by average, Baylor is much closer to the middle of the conference by average recruit rank. But Baylor took a much smaller class this year. And the reason for that is, is that You saw the team this year. You saw a lot of young guys that really performed pretty well or at least showed flashes of maybe what they could be in the future, even though obviously they weren't winning games. And you go, okay, so they got these young guys. They got this young core that they feel good about. And then in order to get better for next year, in order to take that step forward, they have to add guys who are more proven and older and can come in with experience and past production and things like that. And so, because of that, you're seeing this kind of shift in philosophy where Baylor's only going to take, you know, maybe 13, 14, 15, 2024 20, guys, and then focusing a lot of their attention on the transfer portal, which I think is definitely going to uh, reap a w- rewards for Baylor next year while also, again, developing the younger guys that they already have on the roster. So, I think there's been a lot of discussion about that, and I think there's a lot of nuance to it. Uh, even though, you know, I know the class rank isn't where people would want. Now, as far as what Baylor's done so far, I mean, you look at Jaquan Finn, uh, a quarterback, you know, from Toledo who Baylor needed to come in. They lost leg shape into Mississippi State. They were looking for a quarterback who fit what Jake Favitol wanted to bring in as the offensive coordinator. And Finn comes in and brings really a lot of the things that you want to see, whether it's you know, mobility escapability the rushing ability the deep ball down the sideline um, along with production the guy's been extremely productive the last three years and he's just a winner um, so you put all that together and you got to feel good about that position um, going forward for the Bears and obviously Omar Egbedian out of Montana State really coming in to reinforce the offensive line and he really gives them a stable presence and a guy who's going to be, Just a road grader. I mean, the the guy can move people, and Baylor didn't move many people last year. And, you know, this was a guy who was raised, I believe, a four star the morning before he committed to Baylor. And then by the afternoon, he had been dropped to a three star. So, you know, take that for however you want to take that. But he's a very good prospect and right around that borderline four star territory uh, for a transfer. And then obviously, Cameron Jenkins from UNLV, who played a lot as a true freshman there. He's the twin brother of Caden Jenkins and Cameron's going to come in and really add even more young depth to the roster. So I think at this point, Baylor's done a nice job. There's obviously still holes on the roster, but guys, there's a lot of time left and Baylor's going to move into January with a focus on looking at, you know, different prospects that they haven't gotten on campus. And then of course they're going to be able to see new prospects as guys continue to enter the transfer portal every day.
2: So Grayson, what's the plan of attack with the portal now? I mean, there's, Some feeling that they haven't been active enough. As you said, though, there's still time, but there's also a lot of guys off the board. Um, What are you expecting? I mean, in terms of the impact needed and the positions needed and just how do they approach this coming year and, and trying to redo this roster?
0: Right. So I think it's pretty clear based on the offers that have gone out and based on just kind of the focus of the staff on what positions they're clearly looking at. And I think Jack and star and wide receiver three positions that, you know, haven't been addressed yet. They're absolutely going to be addressed um, with at least one transfer portal addition at each of those positions. Um, you know, depending on the quality of, you know, best player available types, I could see multiple, especially at the wide receiver spot. Um, but yeah, those three positions for sure, obviously the offensive line, they're going to take another one, maybe even two more um, to try to rebuild that group. Um, you know, specifically, they're going to want a guy who's got production already on film and tape that can come in. And, you know, you kind of feel good about, right, going into spring football. You feel good that you have another position um, fixed. And so they're definitely going to do that. I, again, I think there'll probably be two more. I think it should be two more, um, but at least one more. Outside of that, though, you know, I, I've kind of been, you know, the more that I've looked at this and the more that I looked at it last year, you know, Baylor did not take a safety last year, and I'm not including Star in this because um, Star's more of a nickel. But I'm talking about boundary and field safety, the positions that were played by Devin Lemire and Devin Bobby last year. Those two positions really, I felt like, struggled at times last year. They had moments here and there, but there was not enough uh, depth at the position, and the tackling was not good enough last year either. And so, you know, Devin Lemire gets hurt early in the season – And you're relying on either a true freshman, DJ Coleman, or Alfonso Allen, who's now in the transfer portal, to come in and really play a significant role. And that's really a tough ask, I think, for that group. So I would be really shocked if they didn't go out and add a safety, uh, a deep safety to come in and at least add depth to the two deep. You know, you'd like it to be a starter, but, you know, a guy that's in the two deep to at least allow this group to rotate more and at least have more experience and more talent on the field. Uh, more often, I just think that's a position that I'm not seeing them really focus on right now. That I do feel like is one that um, I think could be needed for this roster to really round into form.
1: Well, there's still coaches that need to be hired too. And now that we're past signing day, is that now the focus as they hit the holidays? What you expect at tight end, or uh, obviously running backs coach? What what's going to happen with those staff uh, opportunities?
0: Well, you know, they already got Keenan Hall in there to play to do the running back side of stuff. So they're good there. It's really just tight ends. I think is the only coaching spot that's left open. And, you know, you're you got to try to figure that out. Obviously, Sean Bell was going to take over that role. And now he's going to Houston. So I, I think that's gonna be an interesting, you know, hiring uh, position, because you look at kind of what does the staff need. And I think you immediately turn towards recruiting. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But I also look at as man, you got a really talented tight end room. And, and, you know, for a lot of the criticisms that a lot of people have said about Jack Grimes, the one thing, you know, he absolutely did well was recruit tight ends. I mean, that position looked really good, infinitely better than at any time I've seen the Baylor tight end room in my time watching uh, Baylor. They've taken a huge step forward. There's a lot of good young pieces there. So you would like a coach that could come in and develop that group as well as being a good, um, recruiter in general. So I think that's a part of it for sure. But I also think, you know, during this stretch, they're still going to send out offers. They're still going, going to be able to contact recruits, you know, call text messages, everything like that. You just can't have recruits on campus. So the transfer portal is still going to be extremely busy. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult to get commits right now, just because, you know, transfers usually want to visit before making that decision. Uh, There is a little bit of an open period January 3rd through the 7th. Uh, That's going to be very important. You'll have visitors uh, during that stretch. And then the portal, um, so the dead period ends on January 12th. So that's where things become uh, even more open.
2: As you learn more about him, what are your thoughts on Daquan Finn? I mean, we had a pretty good interview with him just yesterday and uh, how this all sort of unfolded uh, from your standpoint uh, with him in the fold now, what does that kind of mean? And what are your thoughts on him as a, a prospect and a player?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that, again, it's one of those things where you're getting a guy who's a proven commodity. Um, he was the Max most valuable player this past year. And, I, I mean, he's just done a lot of really good things during his time at Toledo, and he's been ultra-productive for three straight years. And I think that's really important for Baylor to kind of know the kind of production that you're going to get and really be able to count on that. And I think they're going to get that with Daquan Finn And he's going to come in. I think he's pretty easily going to throw for, you know, something like 2,500 yards and at least going to run for about 600 yards and have right around, you know, 25 to 30 touchdowns. That's what he's done the last three years. So it'd be pretty shocking to not see him perform at that level. Um, but I think the bigger thing with him, and probably the thing that matters the most in, in all of this, is he has won football games. And, you know, Toledo had a stretch in there from 2018 to 2020 where, you know, they were just kind of a 500 team, you know, to be honest. And this was after coming off a really nice run there in 2017. But during that three, four year stretch, they were just, you know, six, seven win team. And when he became the starting quarterback, they won seven games in 2021, then nine games in 2022, including a MAC championship. And then this past year, they won 11 games. So, continuing to get better and better as he became more ingrained in the offense and the culture there at Toledo um, and really took that program to a, a very high level this past season. And that's really cool to see, obviously averaging over 31 points per game during his time as the starting quarterback is really encouraging as well. And I think just in general, you know, Baylor I don't think could have asked for a better prospect to land uh, at the quarterback position than Daquan Sen I mean, he fits everything that they need. And realistically, I mean, to get a guy that is a most valuable player in a league that is, you know, fairly good in the MAC, I mean, that's a really big deal. And I'm not sure that enough people realize, you know, just how good he was uh, at Toledo. And, and it's a it's a huge pickup for Dave Randa and Jake Babbittall.
1: And I know that as the season ended, and of course, the last several weeks was a, a nightmare year for Baylor and the fans. And how many darts were thrown at Aranda, Grimes, Mateos, etc. Um, and Palage But when we've talked to players, and including Daquan Finn yesterday, they raved about Dave Aranda. They raved about who he is. Now he's a nice guy. Everyone knows he's a nice guy. But there were more than he's just a nice guy comments from Finn and others about Dave Aranda, the football coach. Have you noticed that too?
0: Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, guys, that's not shocking at all. And it's something that I tried to reiterate for months when people were trying to you know, make there ever a lot of people really wanted Dave Brandon to be fired, and you know, a lot of it was saying you know the culture, the team, and all these different things, and, and that's you know great to say in theory, but I, I think the proof is what's happening right now. And the fact of the matter is, you look at the guys that have transferred away from Baylor. There's only two of them that I think Baylor would have wanted, and really, there's only one that I think is a significant loss, and that's Drake Dabney, uh, because you replaced Blake Shapen with Daquan Do you feel like you at least got a push I, I think you know i think Finn's going to be end up being better than shaping but still like you look at that and go okay he's been able to retain pretty much all of this roster and if you look back a month ago or two months ago on twitter or whatever you know forum that you look at so many people were saying this roster is going to see a mass accident everyone's going to leave and, and all these different kind of horror story takes and in reality that has not happened and that's because these players really do have a lot of confidence in Dave Aranda a lot of confidence in the entire staff and Baylor as a program and I think that speaks volumes about the culture that Dave Aranda has instilled there now culture is great and retaining players is great you still have to go win games I think we all realize that but I do think that you're exactly right you know the players respect Dave Aranda and they really do think that he is the guy that can lead them you know, to a bright future.
2: Grace and Alex Foster didn't sign on signing day. That wasn't a surprise, a big time defensive lineman prospect, not necessarily by ranking, but certainly by, you know, the fact that Texas is hot and heavy on his heels. And I don't think we're going to doubt their ability to scout defensive lineman at this point. Um, But uh, that while that wasn't unexpected, have you gleaned anything from, you know, what to kind of think here over the next few weeks as he waits until national signing day, number two, anything changed in, much in in terms of the Alex Foster story
0: you know not a ton has changed there I I still you know stand by that Baylor is the leader right now Um, you know as things progress you never know what may happen you never know what what could change leading into February but I I do think that Baylor is still in a really good spot to land him and and they really do need to land him that's a priority for Baylor And, and I think you know, it's one of those things where I think Alex Foster is going to probably have to look at this and go, okay, you know, do I want to go in and be the backup option at Texas, or do I want to be the guy at Baylor? And, and I think that's going to be a big decision that he's going to have to make. But I think in general, Baylor's done an amazing job recruiting him. They found him really early on, and he's the guy who, in my eyes, is probably the best recruit in this class. I mean, he's a very, very special prospect, great size, fits exactly what they want on the defensive line. And, and I think he would be a huge loss. And that's why Baylor has really, really made him a priority, a huge priority uh, going into February. And even, you know, this early signing day, they really tried, have tried everything they can uh, to, to keep him and to get him uh, to Baylor. So that's going to be an interesting story to follow. And definitely one that the Baylor staff is working on heavily and something that's going to be uh, very interesting to watch. But, yeah, that, that's a huge piece of the puzzle as Baylor moves forward into uh, the second signing day.
2: I know we don't normally ask you about basketball because we're so busy with football news, but any thoughts on where Scott Drew and the men find themselves, particularly after that loss uh, the other night against Duke?
0: Yeah, you know, I think you you look at the Michigan State game, and you can kind of write that off as, you know, Michigan State kind of had a get right. Spot and they played really well. They played their best game of the year, and Baylor did not. And so that's what happens when, you know, those. that result is kind of what happens in those situations. But I felt like in the Duke game, you saw some problems there just continuing to, to reoccur for Baylor. And simply put, they're not good enough defensively right now. Uh, they're not good enough in my eyes to make a sweet 16 push with the defense that they're playing at the moment. And while they have a good offense, you do see at times they still have an inability to get into the lane. And if they're not able to get into the lane, it really stops everything they do. I think they're a little bit too careless with the basketball right now. Um, There's just a lot of things that weren't right these last two games. The good news is they have a little bit of a stretch here to get ready for conference play and make some adjustments. Uh, But ultimately, I think the biggest thing for me watching these past two games is defensively just how, how much further they need to go if they actually want to be a serious title contender. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Defensively, just they need to take a huge step forward. And I do want to say, you know, on the flip side, I know we don't talk about women's basketball too much, but they are off to a great start. And Nikki Collin really has that group playing really, really good basketball on the women's side. And so, um, you know, got to mention them. They're, they're doing a great job heading into the holidays undefeated. And uh, they have a real chance to get back on the top of the Big 12 standings.
1: Hey, Grayson, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thanks for your time on many things from the week that has been busy, uh, Portal, obviously National Signing Day, and much more. Thanks for your time. This has been a Rogue Media Network
2: production.